Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, June 14th, rather Wednesday. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, severe weather could impact parts of the Magnolia State today. We talk to the National Weather Service. Then Amtrak is seeking federal funding to study a possible new route across central Mississippi. Plus, this week's History is Lunch examines the significance of Vicksburg during the Civil War. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The National Weather Service in Jackson is issuing moderate and enhanced risks for severe storms today in parts of the state. To tell us more about what to expect is meteorologist Janae Elkins. Good morning, Janae. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Oh, I'm doing all right. What can you tell us about what to expect weather-wise today? Yeah, absolutely. So today we are, and actually over the last few days, we've been in sort of this very unusual pattern. So we're getting a lot of westerly flow. Um, So everything has just been a go. We've been getting disturbance after disturbance. So in regards to today, um, we can expect that significant severe storms are likely through um, afternoon through late tonight. And so with that, Um, As you mentioned before, we are in an enhanced and moderate risk for pretty much much of our county warning area. And so the impacts that we will see from these risk threats are damaging winds, potentially up to 80 miles an hour, large hail, potentially up to tennis ball size. And also there is a risk for uh, possible tornadoes, mainly with this afternoon stuff. So we're going to be dealing with multiple rounds, potentially multiple rounds of storms that's going to come through central Mississippi and portions of Louisiana. Now, I understand it's going to be hit or miss. It may not cover the whole state, but it's going to be in certain parts. Can you tell us where those parts are? So not necessarily hit or miss, but that is the um, the thing with multiple rounds. So right now there's a complex system that's moving out of Oklahoma that's kind of affecting the northern part of the state. And actually we just issued a severe thunderstorm watch that goes through about 2 p.m. that covers basically the, the north and northeastern parts of our area. So once that moves out of here, um, then we're going to be looking for um, another system to push across central Mississippi um, and more of the, the southeastern part going into uh, later this evening. 
Um, so areas across like the uh, southwest, um, they have a lesser chance. However, um, their chance is not zero, right? So they could also potentially see um, some severe weather impacts on today. So there's a series of systems moving through, and it depends on where they go. Yes, ma'am. We are in hurricane season, but mm-hmm. you mentioned tornadoes. Mm-hmm. Are we in could we have a hurricane or tornado or both? Um, so right now we are still in the early stages of hurricane season, typically for Mississippi and the um, the, the deep south area around here. Our peak hurricane season is like the end of August, early September time frame. Um, but this year, thankfully, um, we're not looking for uh, for to a very active pattern, but that doesn't mean that um, the, the Arklamis region can't see a hurricane season. But again, our peak season is typically at the end of August during the September time frame. Now, tornadoes could be associated with those outer bands with um, a hurricane, but as of right now, we're not dealing with any impacts from a hurricane. This is really just a lot of uh, a very unusual pattern, multiple systems that's pushing through, and that's what's bringing this very unusual severe weather for June. Can we expect destructive winds and hail? Absolutely. So with this system that comes through uh, during the afternoon hours, especially we could see wind gusts uh, potentially up to 80 miles an hour and hail sizes as large as tennis ball size, right? So those two things um, are very, very destructive or can be very, very destructive. So we encourage people that um, once you see the warnings start to go out and once you see storms start to roll through, you know, make sure that you know where your safe spaces are and um, always just, you know, adhere to all of the warnings and watches that the National Weather Service issues. And I would assume anything that you have outside that is not tied down, you need to move to a safe place? Absolutely. Take it down. Anything, trampolines, any umbrellas or anything that you have up, absolutely. We encourage people to tie those down or even bring those into um, your home uh, because those can aid into uh, the damage uh, with the storms that uh, come through today. Meteorologist Janae Elkins, thank you so much for your time and speaking with us from the National Weather Service in Jackson. Thank you so much for having me. Coming up, Amtrak is studying railways across central Mississippi for what could be a new route. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. You know that feeling when you walk into a room and everybody's already laughing? That feeling like you missed something? Luckily, you don't have to feel that ever again. If you miss a broadcast, don't worry. You can listen back to it later wherever you find your podcasts. All our shows are posted to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and more, including MPB Online and through our MPB Public Media app. So you can hear all your favorite voices on demand whenever, wherever you like. Check it out, and you'll never have to miss the punchline again. Autocorrect on MPB Think Radio, helping you correct your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie Milton, ASC Certified Master Technician. Let me help save you some money working on your cars. Listen to our podcast, Autocorrect. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The major railway travel company, Amtrak, is seeking federal funding to study a new route that cuts across central Mississippi along Interstate 20. 
The study area would span multiple stops from Meridian, Mississippi, across Louisiana, ending in Dallas, Texas. Our Mike McEwen speaks with Knox Ross, who is secretary and treasurer for the Southern Rail Commission. He says the first step in the plan is for Amtrak to determine how viable the route could be. The major change there are two. Number one is the merger of Canadian Pacific and Kansas City Southern to form CPKC. And in, in the negotiations to finalize that merger and gain approval from the Surface Transportation Board, uh, Canadian Pacific and Amtrak made certain contractual obligations to each other. And one of those is that Canadian Pacific committed to cooperate with Amtrak and others to uh, study the implementation of service on the I-20 corridor from Reading to Dallas for work, looking toward implementing service, not just to study. And, and that's something that both parties committed to the Service Transportation Board that they would do. So that's a huge change because Kansas City Southern has really not, they, they didn't host any Amtrak service, uh, and they really weren't interested in doing that, but Canadian Pacific is. The other change is, is is because of bipartisan infrastructure bill, there are provisions in there that give Amtrak both uh, a requirement to do it and also resources with which to do it, looking at expansion of long-distance network in the country. And uh, Amtrak identified the I-20 corridor as a corridor that one they could go ahead and start on because an awful lot of work has been done to evaluate it over really the past 30 years and that the cities along that route have already done a lot of work to prepare for it. So that's really the two reasons why this is the best time right now. And we've got a coalition of mayors from Shreveport, Ruston, uh, Monroe, and Vicksburg who have coordinated the effort and worked with Amtrak and the Southern Rail Commission and the Louisiana-Mississippi Department of Transportation to, to file for this federal-state partnership grant to do the work to study to see exactly what has to be done uh, to the route for it to host passenger rail. And what are some of the economic benefits that might be driving that cooperation? Well, the Rail Passengers Association did an economic impact study and looked at it, and it, it's around $70 million a year to each state in economic benefit and around 75 to 80 jobs direct out of it. That's not only going to be, you're going to be hiring crews to work the trains, engineers, crew, an expanded crew base in Meridian. You probably have some maintenance facility there, uh, but you'll also be buying product from local vendors, whether it's diesel or lubricants, food, consumables, all sorts of things that give our local vendors uh, the opportunity to sell to Amtrak to operate the train. And Jackson is working on this, but especially Marine and Vicksburg have really done a lot of work to make their downtowns and their cities so hospitable and welcoming. I mean, you look at Meridian, you go to Meridian, you can get off the train, you can walk about three blocks and stay at the three-foot hotel. Meridian on the weekends has turned into a vibrant place. Vicksburg the same way during the summer. You have a good bit of live entertainment. You've got this Mississippi that went on last weekend, for example. You've got pilgrimage and all these others where you have a city that's set up for people without a car. They can get around pretty easily. It's walkable. 
uh, it just makes a lot of sense. And, and the Louisiana cities are very similar, especially Ruston and Monroe, uh, in what they're doing to set up for that. So it really is a natural extension of what the cities are doing. And so moving a bit to the grant application, I saw that Amtrak and the FRA has received, I believe, about 90 applications for railway expansion. Is that number accurate? That's probably true. And how do you all feel with your specific grant application for the I-20 corridor? We feel very confident in it. We've been working on this for a long time. Uh, We've developed great relationships with the Federal Railroad Administration over the last 15 years. We've, we've worked closely with them, and we follow their guidance on how to do this. So we, we, feel, we feel very good about this opportunity, and I don't think that Amtrak would put this out there and do these press conferences they'd feel the same way. Correct me if I'm wrong in assuming this, but you all probably won't have a real full picture on how much this expansion will cost, I suppose, until that first grant uh, is approved, if it is. That's what it's, that's what it's for, but... but but, you know, we don't believe it will be a tremendous amount for the one train in that that railroad is in really good shape. A lot of work has been done over the past 15 years or so to bring it up to up to modern railroading standard, extending sidings, fully signalized. You know, MDOT's done a great job across that corridor of improving the grade crossing safety. But, but it is also an opportunity for the host railroad to look at some things that would make their freight operation more fluid. And that's really what we also want to make sure that we look at is that this is not just about moving passengers, but it's also improving our ways we move freight and our supply chain around the country. And we want to make sure we take advantage of that. What kind of changes can this railway expansion bring, I suppose, to Mississippi and to the Gulf South to suddenly have this additional rail route that's now running west? It connects our cities to the rest of the country. So you see reporting where small cities, Meridian, for example, struggles to keep commercial air service. And you know it's well publicized the struggles that Greyhound is having. You know, they don't go to downtown Jackson anymore, and, and that's really a corporate decision. That's not a city of Jackson issue. I mean, I think city of Jackson is working on trying to get them back. Um, and that's happening around the country. So Cities are really struggling with being able to bring people to them that aren't driving. And as our population ages, and then you have young people who are getting less driver's licenses and don't want to drive, what are you going to do? And, 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 and the other piece of that is is that you look across central Mississippi, we're kind of ground zero in the Mississippi struggle of retaining our young people. And this really can do that by connecting all of the, the major cities across central Mississippi to the major cities in Louisiana. You connect a number of universities. It really creates sort of a higher education corridor all the way across there. So there's all sorts of different things this brings to the table. Knox Ross is with the Southern Rail Commission. Coming up, this week's History is Lunch examines the significance of Vicksburg during the Civil War. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 
The MPB Public Media app just got an update. It's now easier than ever to interact with your favorite MPB local shows and experts. With the brand new Talk to Us feature, you can engage with your favorite MPB local shows anytime, day or night, directly through the app. Simply select Talk to Us from the MPB Public Media app's menu. There, you can leave a question, share show ideas, or simply just say hello. With the new Talk to Us feature, you have access to your favorite MPB local shows and experts anytime you want to talk. MPB Think Radio. Whatever your taste. News, music, storytelling, or how-to shows. Whatever your city. Gulfport, Hernando, Meridian, Greenville. However you want. Radio. Smart speaker. Smartphone app. MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Historian Tim Smith is a Mississippi native who has spent most of his professional career examining in detail the Civil War military campaigns in Mississippi. Today at History is Lunch, he is presenting research from the third of his five-volume account of the Siege of Vicksburg. He shares more with our Michael Guidry. Growing up there, surrounded by the history and the ambiance that is Mississippi, and especially Carrollton. If anybody's ever been to Carrollton, you know you're stepping back in time nearly, you know, 50, 100 years or so when you when you go to the little town, combined with, uh, you know, some genealogical stuff, and, you know, you just put all that together. Growing up, you know, we would go to Vicksburg often, we would go to Shallow often, and it just instilled uh, in me a love and, and passion for history that I'm still um, plagued with, if you want to say it like that. I don't, I don't consider it a plague, but uh, I'm still blessed with uh, even today. When you're focusing on something so specific, what type of sources do you, uh, do you rely on? Where, where do you go first to try to understand and map out, you know, you know how two weeks, three weeks, two and a half months, this, this, this very narrow window of time, and, and paint the picture of, of what happened and why it was so significant? Right. Well, uh, the granddaddy of all Civil War sources uh, is what's called the War of the Rebellion, the official records of the Union and Confederate Armies, um, which incidentally, you know, that, is, that explains, this is published, it's 128 volumes of reports, correspondence, you name it, uh, that the federal government had um, back in the 1880s, 1890s, um, that actually is all housed in original form in the National Archives today, but there there was a commission that went through and picked out what was important enough to be contained in these 128 volumes, and then there's a separate set for the navies, but, um, and these are not small books either. Some of them are 12, 1,500 pages, you know, so it's a wealth of, of information. So anybody, you know, there's some that argue, well, you can rely too heavily on the official records and so on, but anybody that does anything, that's that's your starting point. Now, you can't just depend on that, of course, and I do a lot of work in private, uh, or not private, but but more uh, individual um, soldiers' letters and diaries and so on uh, that are housed in, you know, archives like Mississippi Department of Archives and History and, and repositories, uh, special collections at universities and so on, all, literally all across the nation. So I do a lot of work in the manuscript material, um, you know, just reading literally hundreds, if not thousands, of 
uh, of letters from some soldier to his wife and kids and, you know, soldier's diary and, and all that. And you, it, that's where you really come across some, you know, really unique and interesting nuggets. Mostly a combination of those two um, to present, um, you know, kind of the wide range of what's going on on a, diff- a lot of different levels. Your latest book and what is to be, I believe, a, a five-part series looking at Vicksburg, the Battle of Vicksburg. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your work has already, you know, examined the siege of Vicksburg, Champion Hill. Um, this one, um, the Central Campaign in Chickasaw Bayou, looking at a window of time from October 25th to December 31st, uh, 1862, essentially three months. This precedes uh, the siege. What what did you learn uh, about the that the initial campaign to for the Union to take Vicksburg and, and, and looking at this three-month window in 1862? Yeah, uh, a lot of people, most people think of 1863 as the Vicksburg campaign. But this campaign proper, of course, there's, there's stuff going on uh, around Vicksburg even a year earlier in, in May and June of 1862. Um, but as far as what historians consider the Vicksburg campaign proper that Ulysses S. Grant leads and, and so on really starts in late October. Um, and so the initial stages, uh, this early struggles for Vicksburg, as I determined in the book, um, really illustrates kind of the breadth and depth and height of the extent to which the Federals went to try to capture Vicksburg. Uh, Vicksburg, you know, right on the cusp of the Delta and the Mississippi River and the high ground, it all, all kind of uh, geographical terrain features come together right there at Vicksburg, and it makes it extremely, extremely uh, defensible. And so the Federals under Grant have a hard time even just getting to Vicksburg, much less eventually taking Vicksburg. So it's really a dual thing there. And so the the first few months there in 1862 encompass a couple of attempts, the Mississippi Central Campaign, where Grant moved down through uh, Holly Springs and Oxford and Water Valley toward Grenada, uh, but was turned back uh, by a couple of cavalry raids, most famously you know, Van Dorn at, at Holly Springs. Uh, at the same time, Sherman was moving down the Mississippi River and landed just north of Vicksburg and fought the Battle of Chickasaw Bayou and uh, was repelled there. So both of these are, are um, uh, not successful for the Federals, but they're the first two of, uh, of what would ultimately be six or seven major attempts uh, to just get in a position to reach Vicksburg, much less, you know, uh, again, capture Vicksburg. So what I learned is that, um, you know, just the, the extent, the large chessboard kind of that, that the, the armies are are playing this out on, um, it's just it's fascinating to look at, at all the attempts and so on that that, um, that were tried just to, just to find one, the, the, the good, you know, the combination that ultimately proved successful. They had a lot of, a lot of hits and misses beforehand, and uh, finally they found the right combination. Here is General Grant, uh, the commander of, of, of the Union Army, the Federal Army, in in Mississippi, in Vicksburg, focusing so many resources uh, on this, you know, Mississippi River Bluff town. What was it about about Vicksburg that proved to be so pivotal, and why it was a high priority for Grant? Right. Well, it largely goes back to logistics and transportation. Um, in this, really, you know, historians throw around the term first modern war." The fact that Vicksburg 
on the Mississippi River uh, makes it incredibly important that it falls kind of in the center, uh, in the middle of Union forces moving up the Mississippi River and moving down the Mississippi River. So by virtue of its position, it's kind of the last obstacle that you get to. It, it also has to do with rail transportation. And in fact, in the entire state of Mississippi, the only place that river, Mississippi River transportation and rail transportation intersect uh, is at Vicksburg. Uh, of course, there is a railroad at Memphis, which is just north of the Mississippi border, but still, that's in Tennessee. Um, and there's some farther south, of course, railroads to New Orleans and, and so on. But the only place in the Mississippi uh, territory, in the, in the state proper, uh, where a railroad intersects the Mississippi River itself is at Vicksburg. And so largely, again, due to transportation and moving supplies, especially from the Trans-Mississippi Theater, where they bring uh, goods in on the river to Vicksburg, put it on the railroad, and ship it farther east uh, into the Confederacy. Uh, extremely important uh, because of its positioning, geography, transportation, all that. All right. Well, Tim Smith historian with the Department of History and Philosophy at the University of Tennessee at Martin and a Mississippi native. Uh, We'll be presenting at History is Lunch at the two Mississippi museums. Tim, thank you so much for uh, sharing sharing with us your your process and and all the things that you're, you're diving into when it relates to Civil War military history in Mississippi. Thank you. Enjoyed it very much. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.